Grace and peace to you in the name of Jesus Christ. This is Pastors for Pastors, the podcast that celebrates and supports pastors of all churches and denominations. I'm Ken Broman Folks, your host, and I thank you for joining me for this very special episode on a topic that is so important for everyone, but especially pastors during this historic period of pandemic. I've titled this episode, all stressed up and nowhere to blow. Everyone is feeling stressed right now, and that certainly includes pastors who for nearly nine months have been improvising their way through a new reality where, as one pastor put it, all of the most enjoyable parts of the ministry have been taken from us, leaving us with the hardest and least satisfying parts. How do we handle that stress? Well, I have a very special guest with me for this episode. I'm particularly excited to have with me someone with the same last name that I have, uh, my son, Josh Broman Folks, and I'm going to let him tell you what his background is, but I'll tell you why he's here today. He is a clinical psychologist, and our topic today is stress and um uh, how we handle stress, uh, what the effects of stress are on our lives, particularly when we don't handle it in healthy ways, and uh, then to offer some ways that we as ministers particularly can handle the stress on our lives, because in these days, everything I'm reading and all the ministers I'm talking to say that stress is wearing them down, uh, tiredness of body and mind and spirit is the most common denominator right now among ministers. So I thought it would be a a good thing to have uh, Josh join us and talk about uh, from a psychological perspective what stress does to us when we don't handle it well and some healthy ways for us to handle it. So, uh, Josh, good to have you uh, with us today. Um, and uh, so I told him beforehand, uh, so I don't get any of it wrong, I'm going to let him kind of summarize his, uh, his credentials so uh, everyone can know why he's so qualified to be with us today. Well, thank you. Glad to be with you. Um, this is kind of a neat opportunity from, for me, so I'm looking forward to the conversation. Uh, as you mentioned, I'm a clinical psychologist. I am a professor of psychology at Appalachian State University. I uh, completed my doctoral degree at the University of Southern Mississippi and then a clinical internship at the Medical University of South Carolina, uh, where I specialized in anxiety and stress-related uh, disorders and, and how to treat those. And most of the research that I do at App is in the field of anxiety and um, looking at how to conceptualize and diagnose and treat anxiety-related problems. And so stress uh, obviously plays a, a big role in uh, the development of anxiety and depression and a lot of the, the types of problems that I teach about and also uh, work with clients who, who have uh, some struggles with. So I have a part-time private practice that I work at where I primarily do uh, psychological evaluations and psychotherapy with individuals, uh, mostly who are suffering from anxiety-related problems. So you can see why he's a perfect person to have uh, uh, with our conversation today, and uh, and I'm particularly proud to, to have him here today. Uh, Josh, 
talk to us some about um, because stress certainly is not in these days uh, restricted to ministers. Uh, what are some of the things that you are seeing and some of the things that you are reading and hearing about in terms of stress levels and the uh, effects of stress on folks uh, during this pandemic? Sure. Obviously, with the environment that we're living in and the, the struggles that many of us are experiencing, trying to adapt to such an unusual environment, uh, we're, we are definitely seeing and experiencing elevated levels of stress. Um, that ranges, uh, as far as causes go, from you know, not being able to see or interact with friends and family in the way we've been able to, not to be able to, to often join together in our community groups and, and with our friends in, at church, uh, to, to also, uh, for many of us, be, are experiencing financial strains, uh, not being able to, to get to work or work as often or being laid off or furloughed. Um, you know, so, so it's a really a, a period of disruption. And we, as humans, tend not to like disruption and, and unpredictability and uncertainty. And so uh, in times like these, we're, many of us find ourselves struggling even more than, than normal. Uh, many of us are having to establish new patterns uh, instead of going to work every day and you know, leaving our, our children at home or at uh, you know, to go to school or with daycare, um, now we're trying to balance teaching our children at the same time that we're trying to work from home and Zoom meetings back to back to back. And so there's a, a lot of you know, just just different types of stressors than we're typically used to encountering. Many of us know what it's like to go to work five days a week and, you know, we go and we come home and we have our routines and now we're really left trying to figure out what new routines might look like. You know, what, what can we do, um, to, to establish routines that are healthy for us? Um, and with that elevated stress, many of us are, are struggling also in relationships, you know, maintaining relationships with friends and family from distance uh, with not being able to interact with them in person. Um, and then the elevated levels of stress from trying to, to adjust to all this often gets in the way of, of the relationships that we do have you know, and, and trying to figure out how to continue to be kind and, and compassionate toward our family and, and those that we are interacting with on a regular basis, even with the elevated stress. Yeah, I I, uh, I think as we we've talked before, uh, your mom and I have spent more time together in the last six months than I think we have in the last twenty five years. <laughs> Just right, uh, right, and 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 working out those boundaries and and those uh, times when we're together and the times when we're not, when we're all in the same house. Uh, I, mm -hmm. I know you all and and so many others are are trying to work out how to how to uh, teach. Uh, the, the kids be the teachers as well as the parents and and have some time for yourselves as well. And I know from from uh, pastors perspectives, they are being required to do things they were never trained to do uh, work with technology and uh, mm -hmm. figure out how to preach to a camera 
when they've always, uh, most of them have enjoyed preaching to a congregation who responds and who provide an energy that they respond to. And, and now they're preaching in an empty room to a camera with no sense of how that's being uh, received by anyone. So all these new things that they're, they're having to learn, all these uh, new ways of relating to each other and finding those those new boundaries uh, uh, certainly do uh, create a great deal more stress in, in the relationships we, we have as well. Absolutely. Yeah. And I can empathize as a professor. I'm used to being in a classroom and looking at students' faces and being able to react and respond based off of the feedback that I'm receiving from them, both verbally and non-verbally. Uh, now I'm talking into a Zoom camera as well. And it's you know, the, a lot of what we enjoy about our jobs, whether you know, it's teaching in a classroom or, or preaching in a, a pulpit, is uh, to be able to see and, and interact with and receive that positive feedback you know, from, from the people that we're, we're working with and, and seeing and interacting with. And right now we're, we're often not able to get much or even any of that at uh, times. You know, you talk into the camera and when you're done, there's no real sense of satisfaction yeah. of, you know, the people walking out and saying, thank you for that. I appreciated that. Um, you know, maybe somebody will send you an email um, and maybe not. Right. And, and then you're left wondering, I wonder how that went over. I wonder, yeah. wonder what people thought about that. And, yeah. And that's that's a tough place to be. And in these days, when when there are so many people anxious to get back together for every email you get saying that was a great sermon, you're likely mm -hmm. to get at least one or two or three emails saying, "When are we getting back together? I'm getting tired of this." And so yeah. there's that there's that as well. Pastoral care is is another issue. Uh, uh, when when loved ones die and and funerals have to be negotiated and you can't spend the time you can't you, you want to in somebody's home with the family listening and and uh, reviewing the memories that they have and letting them begin that healing that way there are just so many things that I know ministers are uh, are missing and and feeling stressed about what are some of the ways this stress manifests itself itself physically, emotionally, uh, spiritually, what, what are some of the things uh, that you see and that you know about that maybe we can go, yeah, I'm seeing that and I hadn't realized it? Uh, oftentimes it, it will show up in a variety of physical ways, you know, whether that's kind of feeling more tense, uh, more tension types of headaches, um, difficulty sleeping, being able to fall asleep or, or waking up, you know, throughout the night, um, you know, so so people will will often experience those types of physical changes. Um, also, a variety of of mental you know types of of changes as well. Many of us end up spending our time getting distracted, mm -hmm. and we are you know being caught on uh, caught up on Facebook or Twitter or some other form of impersonal interaction mm -hmm. uh, with a device and. And that um, can can lead to a variety of, of both physical and mental changes as well. You know, the trouble concentrating on the things that you actually do want to concentrate on. Um, trouble getting things done as, as often or as efficiently as you're used to being able to. Um, you know, those relational issues that we, we mentioned before, you know, being able to, to 
um, you know, when when you're interrupted by your spouse or child to, to respond kindly and compassionately, uh, it's it's easier to do when when you're not trying to get your work done and and five other things at the same time. Um, so the those types of physical, emotional, relational types of of changes many of us are experiencing. Yeah, yeah. Uh, the podcast that I did a, a couple of weeks ago. Uh, the, the uh, minister said that uh, he used an expression I thought was uh, a, a really creative and helpful way to look at it. He, he said that our, our, as a nation, as a church, as individuals, our resting pulse right now in terms of our uh, physical and emotional and spiritual well-being is elevated in terms of the amount of stress and frustration and anger, tension, uh, that that's just our resting pulse. Uh, if it were our mm-hmm. actual heart rate, our resting pulse would be a hundred instead of seventy, uh, and then it goes up from there. When when minor things happen, uh, we don't have that patience, that ability to to uh, withhold because it's just the the resting pulse is is so much higher. Yeah, yeah and there's you know the some of the the things we're being exposed to environmentally, whether it's the political environment, uh, you know, that, that's constantly dividing us and pulling us apart. Um, you know, the, the environment uh, when it's rainy and you can't get outside to actually get a little bit of time in nature or exercise to, to have that kind of stress relief. Uh, you know, those, those little things uh, over time become more and more taxing. And when you don't have those typical outlets you know, for, for that stress relief of being able to, to exercise, you know, people are used to going to, to their exercise classes, you know, yoga classes, you're not able to, to really do that. You're having to do it on a screen and, and then it's imagine, you know, there's so many different distractors and reasons not to keep up with that uh, practice that people often are, are finding themselves not engaging in regular exercise, even though they used to. They're not eating as healthy as they used to. They're not obviously being able to interact with their friends mm-hmm. the way that they used to. And so a lot of those those outlets for that tension, that stress, um, are, are not really there for us, the, at least the way that they, they have been. And change is hard and trying to develop new patterns of coping for anybody is very, very challenging. So, you know, when you can't go to yoga three times a week anymore, what do you do? And, and you've got to develop a whole new pattern. Right. That's tough. Right. And, and it's not as if we don't have time, you know, before everybody was running ragged and uh, finding time to do these things was the hard part. Now, most of us are spending more time at home than we have in, in ages, but emotionally we're, we're distracted, as you said, and, and it seems like we're still not doing the things we said we would do if we had the time. And so I imagine that must make a number of us feel kind of guilty that we're not doing those things too. What's wrong with me? Absolutely. Yeah. There's, there's, you know, many of us are, are, you know, we, we have this extra time and we assume we'll get more done right. with that. You know, the things that we want to do that we haven't been able to, you know, developing our, our hobbies more or, you know, eating better, getting exercise, you know, but, but we're finding that we're looking at screens yeah. more instead and that those are, are taking up more and more of our time. 
so that, yes, the things that we want to do and that we would just assume typically that we'd be able to get done, we're, we're finding it not able to do that. And yeah, we often turn that frustration or, or guilt mm-hmm. right inward and it's, I should be able to do this. Why haven't I done this? And, and then you end up feeling more um, stress or, or um, dysphoria just based off of not being able to do everything you expect you should be able to do. Right, right. Not to mention the fear aspects, right? When we do go out, when, when we do uh, leave the, the safety of, of our homes, there's that, that fear, that anxiety that we're going to get exposed or that being exposed, we may expose a loved one whose health is more precarious than ours. And so there, there's that constant fear aspect of what, what should we do? The decisions that co- go around that fear, uh, what should we do to uh, be as safe as possible and keep our loved ones as safe as possible? Yeah, yeah. And, and that's, that's a real threat, though it's often so disconnected from our experience. You know, I think more recently, people are, are beginning to know others who've developed COVID uh, and have, have gone through that. But, you know, even a, a month or, or two ago, many people didn't know anybody yeah. who had been through that. And, and so at that point, it's still just an abstract thing. Uh, and, and when it's not affecting you or your community, it's hard to imagine uh, the potential you know, uh, outcomes that, that you know, could be involved. And now that more of us are having that experience where we know somebody who's been sick, you know, at app, we had a, a, a student who died um, from COVID related issues. And so when those experiences happen, it does make it much more real mm-hmm. and, and at the same time stressful yeah. because then you go to the, you know, your exercise place outside or you go to the grocery store and you become much more concerned once you've, you've had that. And Again, many of us are, are now having parents or grandparents who have experienced the, the illness and, um, and have struggled uh, mightily with it. And the, the more we experience that, the more um, scary it can become. Yeah, yeah. I think that's, that's right. There, more of us are experiencing it getting closer to us. And mm-hmm. uh, on, the, on the one hand, there is kind of a... Uh, a, a sense that we're we're getting desensitized. It, it's mm-hmm. just been talked about for six or seven months now, and so folks are getting tired of hearing about it. And uh, uh, so there's that desensitization. But there is also, as it spreads, uh, more and more of us are knowing people who have it, and and even people who have died from it, and that makes it real. And the idea that that really could happen to me. Or my family, um, loved ones, friends, and that's that's frightening as well. Yeah, yeah, that's the other end of the spectrum, right? Which is, you know, not um, being concerned about it because you've heard so much about it, and maybe somebody in your family developed it, and it was a, a very mild case. In which case, your experience with it suggests to you that it's not something to worry that much about, right. even though what you hear on on the news or maybe from other sources is that this is potentially really serious and, and very dangerous for some people. Uh, and so we've got to you know try to 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 balance those things, and it's hard when when what we're being told and and then maybe some of our direct experience doesn't seem to to line up. 
uh, it makes it hard to to know who to trust and and what to what trust. To believe, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. So, uh, what are some of the ways that uh, pastors can um, cope with and and handle their own stress in healthy ways, so that it doesn't get handled in unhealthy ways, like social media distractions and screens and so forth. I think one of the the hardest things to do, which is also one of the most helpful things to do, is to really focus on, uh, in a sense, building the new life, the life for the time being that that you would like to, which in, really means figuring out what you want your schedule in life to be like, and then making an effort to try to create that. And so if exercise is an important uh, thing for you and it's also been useful in helping you to manage stress, uh, then making sure that you're building that into life. Uh, Contemplative practices are, are a fantastic way of dealing with stress. Um, but often, again, we're finding ourselves distracted by other things instead of using some of those more useful strategies that, that again, many of us and, and I'm sure many pastors in that community would, would know is useful right. and has, have experienced is useful. But again, you know, often feeling like we don't have the time, even though in many cases we yeah. do. And that anxiety, that, that anxiety makes, makes it hard to sit still and, and do it. Uh, that that yeah. just kind of you know resting pulse of anxiety. It just feels like there's something that I should be doing rather than sitting down and and doing that contemplative practice of prayer or meditation or whatever. Right. Absolutely. The other things would be making sure you set aside social time. You know, and, and sometimes that takes a lot more effort now than it used to. Uh, with pastors constantly, you know, being uh, I'm sure trying to figure out ways to interact with the congregation. Uh, you know, to, to also make sure that they're adding in some of that re- restorative social interaction. So the, the um, interaction with family and friends and, and that might have to be virtual yeah. or it might have to be outdoor if, if that's a possibility. But making sure that you're building that in is, you know, we, we are social creatures and, and um, you know, so much of, of what we get from, uh, you know, going to church and being part of a church community is that social interaction and social support yeah. Yeah. and, and to not have that maybe in, you know, direct and in person, it just means that you've got to find other ways to create that. Yeah. Um, so, so you know, really putting forth an, an effort to schedule once a week dinners or, you know, being part of a small community group yeah. that meets each week, that type of thing. I know one of the most common things that I've I've heard from pastors as I've checked in with them is um, now more than ever uh, they appreciate the the um, connection with other pastors. Um, sure, the, the, they didn't do as much of it before, uh, and, but you know, having a, a Zoom conversation. Uh, uh, a happy hour, uh, you know, whatever f- with uh, the friends that they've got. And, and it doesn't have to, the nice thing is it doesn't have to be folks in town or nearby. They can, they can connect with ministers all anywhere. Uh, but to have okay. that, that time of uh, reaching out to, to other folks and, and uh, talking shop or just not talking, um, not being pastor at all, but just being friends. Yeah, absolutely. That that type of social support helps to build us up, right? And it helps to restore us 
and and yes, we need that. We need that to to be able to to sustain in times like these. What would what would you say is a baby step way to begin some of those things? What, you know, I'm I'm hearing folks who might be listening to this thinking, "Yep, that's all great. I should do that, but I don't know where and how to start." And I'm in that boat yeah. too. I, <laughs> I'm trying to figure it out as well. But you know, some of the the things we know from psychology is, you know, that um, starting a new routine is a challenge, and then sustaining any new routine in the short run tends to be a, a real challenge. And so, typically, it's it's starting with baby steps. So, if I'm gonna to start engaging in a contemplative practice more often, right? That, then it might be picking that as the one thing I'm going to focus on building right now and setting the, the more structure you can build around something like that, the more likely you are to develop the habit and then sustain it. So picking a time of day, if you can be consistent with that. And so if we're working from home, uh, maybe that's the first thing we do in the morning or right after breakfast in our shower, we go and we, we you know, meditate or, or go into a time of prayer for 10 minutes or 15 minutes to start small. If you're not used to, to spending a lot of that time uh, you know, doing, doing those types of things, to, to start small with a couple of minutes um, and then slowly you know, start to build that over time, um, linking it to other things in our repertoires tends to be really useful. So again, if, if right after breakfast, that's the thing I do, then it's linked to breakfast okay. and that will help it to become part of, of a habitual pattern of behavior. Yeah. Um, linking rewards to it as you know, we, we often think of rewarding kids or other people when they do the things we want them to do, but rewarding ourselves when we do the things that we want us to do. So, um, you know, if, if you're like me, I, I love mom's cookies that she, she gives me and I keep in the freezer. And so each night after I, I finish my exercise, that might be my treat. Yeah. And if I don't finish my exercise, then, then I forego the yeah. cookie. So that provides a little bit of additional motivation and reward um, for, for engaging in the practices. Uh, so little things like that. Maybe don't watch Netflix yeah. until you've done your practice or or maybe only watch Netflix while you're exercising. Right. And that way you, you're getting the exercise and the reward at the same time. So those types of things help to build it into, to, and then again, starting small and then slowly increasing over time as, as you get more comfortable with it as part of your routine. Yeah. You mentioned exercise and I know you, you've done a lot of research in the past about the connection between exercise and stress and anxiety. Um, uh, Ministers are not known as great exercisers. That is not the first thing that we do in the in the day, and and oftentimes we never do uh, as a group. Some of us do, but most of us don't. Talk about the the benefits of exercise and how someone who is not doing much of that now uh, might begin to do a little bit of that as well. Exercise is is really one of the the, the great options. Because from what we know from the research, just doing something physical is beneficial for us. And, and mild, you know, short walking is good for us in the same way that, that longer walking is. Um, you know, to, to, to 
exercise doesn't mean you have to go and run five miles. Yeah. It, it just means that you're, you're getting your body in motion and exerting it in some, some way. Um, a lot of people enjoy engaging in, in practices like yoga because they're, you know, you can, you can pick something very simple, you know, the chair yoga mm-hmm. and, and anybody can do that regardless of your age or the physical limitations that you've mm-hmm. got. Um, you know, so, so starting with something like that, you know, yeah, we often tend to relate exercise with, you know, the, the intense biking yeah. or the, yeah. you know, the, the running the on marathons uh, and the, yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. But it, it really doesn't need to be, you know, sitting in uh, a chair and if you've got, you know, a dumbbell in the house, then you can sit and, and do some light curls or, or now, which member uh, of the family are you referring to there? <laughs> <laughs> the dumbbell? Yeah. But any, any, any physical activity, you know, just going for a walk outside can often be one of the, the most uh, restorative practices you hit multiple things that we know as humans we need, you know, and that is time in nature. That is for many of us such a, a, a restorative experience. It can often give us a sense of awe. You know, if we can, you know, around here we have lots of hiking in Boone. And so to, to take a, a walk, even in our, our neighborhood, we've got views and you know, right now changing colors of leaves and, and all of that, um, you know, tends to, to create more positive emotional experiences. Um, and then the exercise is occurring when we're often not even paying attention, just walking around looking yeah. at stuff. And what does that do? What, what is the effect of exercise, not just on our bodies, but on our, our, our moods and our, our mentality? There's a, a, I guess that's a tough question to answer in a sense that, that there's a lot of stuff that happens. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and, and then there are a number of theories or ideas that people will put forth as to why exercise is good for you. And so, you know, ranging from things like just simply being able to, to complete an activity mm-hmm. that you think is good for you gives you a sense of self-efficacy that, that you know, you can do something uh, that's good for you, even if it's not the easiest thing um, to, you know, that we've got all the, the physiological changes, you know, that, that the more um, you exercise, the you mentioned before resting heart rate. You know, resting heart rate tends to to go down. Um, your respiration rate uh, tends to go down, and and all of these types of uh, physiologic physiological adaptations tend to also calm the yeah. body. More oxygen, and, I would think, uh, circulating more oxygen to the brain, thinking yeah. clearly. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And your body doesn't have to work as hard to, to get that, right? Because it's, you know, you're taking the deeper breaths because your lungs are having uh, been expanded over and over again, you know, pushed to their limits a little more. You tend to um, be able to take deeper breaths. And so, yeah, the oxygen, the, um, you know, the, the, there's a variety of, of psychological things that occur, you know, when we, we see anxiety reduction and, and um, stress reduction, depression tends to go down. Um, you know, part of that's the, the sense of accomplishment. Part of that is, is the physiological changes. Um, part of that is, is just uh, being reinforced, 
from our environment for for doing good things, things that are, are useful or helpful for us. So, you know, you you get a little bit of a reward when you walk outside and see the beautiful you know, leaves on the trees right now. Um, you don't necessarily think of that as being your reward for going outside, but you know, if you go for a walk, that's that's also uh, you know, part of what you're you're benefiting from. And, and then, you know, the, the other piece to all of that is the social aspect. And that's a harder piece right now for many of us. But, um, but exercise is, tends to be a great social activity. And, you know, whether that's walking with a friend or going to a class, you know, all of those, those types of activities tend to increase the frequency. You know, we, we have met more neighbors in our neighborhood in the last six months from going out and walking around the block because uh, so many more people are doing the same thing, uh, mm -hmm. getting that exercise, getting, you know, taking the dogs out. And, and uh, we have, you stop and chat and you get to know their names and a little bit about them. And uh, that's refreshing on a social level as well as a physical level. Yeah, and, you know, we've been having the same type of experience mm. here, walking in the neighborhood, and and that tends to be the place to meet all of the neighbors mm. and get to interact. And so many of us are starved for that type of social interaction yeah. right now. That, that that's really yeah, enjoyable. The neighbors even. love it as well yeah. as we do. <laughs> right, right. It's good for all of us. Yeah. So, so build, you know, building and helping to maintain some of those social connections, absolutely good. A couple more would be getting sleep mm. and making sure that, that you're keeping to a, a sleep pattern that's um, of sufficient duration for you, however much sleep you end up needing as a as an individual, um, and and then making sure that you're you're trying to put good stuff into your body as much as possible. You know, the the more you put healthy healthy foods, the fruits and vegetables. The more efficient your body tends to run and, and the better it tends to feel on average. Yeah, yeah. You hear a lot about the COVID-15 or the COVID-20 pounds that people mm -hmm. are gaining because they're in. And it's so much easier to eat that comfort food when you're under stress. So uh, yeah, you know, making sure to limit that is important, too. Yeah, and it's hard to go to the grocery store, yeah. right? To you know, if you you run out of apples, what are you going to do? You, right, you might have to wait a day or two to to get to the store. So the ice cream is is still there in the freezer. It holds. Exactly. Yeah, and your mom's frozen chocolate chip cookies. Yeah, right. <laughs> Speaking of, yeah. you, you might need to, to let her know. I need a, a re up okay. on that. All right, I'll pass that along. <laughs> uh, so let's talk a little bit about um, how pastors can encourage and facilitate community um, well-being. Uh, how can we also uh, encourage healthy ways of, of handling stress with our congregations? I think, uh, you know, what, one in particular that comes to mind is encouraging, you know, the community groups, whether that's Sunday school classes or, or small groups um, to continue meeting and interacting um, to develop new ones for people who aren't already involved in one, uh, you know, providing that, that type of structure, social interaction and, and, uh, you know, those groups tend to meet over really meaningful topics, yeah. right? And, yeah. and it's not just to get together and talk about the weather, but we're talking about the things that are most meaningful to us. And so that tends to be much more rewarding um, than, you know, the, the brief interaction that you might get, um, you know, when you drop your kid off at, at 
school or, right. um, you know, if, if you're able to, to even do that at this point. So, and, and much, um, much, uh, more positive than most session or board meetings. Uh, yeah. if that's the only time you associate with your congregation members it's in a, in a meeting or a committee meeting, that's, that's not going to help the stress levels much. No, <laughs> no, definitely not. And, definitely and not. that's the nice thing about now is you, you can join a Sunday school class virtually whether it's in your own congregation or somewhere else, you can connect with uh, people in a situation in a study that you're particularly interested in. Um, yeah. Yeah. You know, there are a lot of people who are offering online classes or groups that may not be, you know, who you would necessarily think to originally go to, um, you know, but there are a lot of big organizations whose missions right now are having to be uh, completed through that type of medium. So even looking online at some of the bigger churches or national organizations to, to see what online services they may be offering, um, can, can also be very rewarding. Um, so, you know, the, those types of, of social groups are great. Um, you know, one of the things we, we really haven't mentioned, but that also is part of being a minister, um, that's, that's being, challenge a little bit more here during these times is, you know, you're used to doing things for other people that really help them, yeah. right? That, that, you know, you're used to coordinating groups and organizations that that's mission is to go and help people right. who really are in, in most in need and, and being disconnected from that right now um, is a challenge for, for many of us. So um, if possible, taking the, the time to figure out some alternative means of getting some of that type of work done and reinforcement. So, you know, if, if you take, um, you know, a meal to the, the local homeless shelter, right. That might be something that you can still do. Um, that, that may not be part of your, your typical way of helping people, but that's still needed. Um, you know, finding ways in your community to continue to give, right. We, we know psychologically we get way more, out of helping other people than we do of engaging in activities to help ourselves. And, and as far as positive mood goes, uh, it's not even close. Mm -hmm. And so finding ways to benefit others and as much as you can getting to, to see the outcome mm -hmm. of that, right. It's, it's, it's much less rewarding to write a check that, that goes to somebody that you never see and you never hear about how that went. It's much more rewarding, um, to, to go and, and, you know, give them a meal to some of the, the folks at the homeless shelter to see, you know, who's getting it and, and how that they're benefiting from that. Um, and then the gratitude uh, that you, you'll receive often from those activities. So those, that's another great way of, of helping to boost overall uh, sense of meaning and, and purpose, even in these times. You know, I, uh, that reminds me of another uh, that I've heard of some churches beginning to do, and that is to, uh, visit many of the, the, uh, homebound, uh, folks mm -hmm. simply by, because you can't go in person or in, in the same room, uh, standing outside the window and talking yeah. on cell phones and, uh, spending 15 or 20 minutes, just, just saying hello and we love you and you're not forgotten. Absolutely. Yeah. And, and the more you can do that with some face-to-face -face interaction, yeah. the better it is for you and the person or people you're interacting with. Right. 
Uh, we get a lot from that face-to-face -face interaction that we we can't get. And Zoom provides a little bit of that. It's it's definitely better than just talking on the phone, yeah. um, but it does not. It's not the same, yeah. right? It, it doesn't quite give you all of the the uh, interaction that you would get from somebody in person. Yeah. So. Yeah. And another, you know, little idea is is if you've got some time, write letters of gratitude to people. Ah, great, right? yeah. The, pe the people in your your church or community who really mean a lot, who have done things that have benefited you, um, you know, to take a few minutes just to write a letter to them and drop it in the mail or or send it by email, even, uh, you know, that that is often very meaningful to the person who receives it, and it also helps to, to practice turning your mind to the things that are, are most meaningful to you, right? The things that you would be grateful for. Um, our, our brains are, are um, moldable to an extent. And, uh, and so the things that you practice doing with, are the things that your mind will get rehearsed at doing and, and will, will do more easily. Um, and so the more you focus on intentionally things like gratitude and, and you know, expressing that to other people, the better your mind gets it going there. And then that becoming more of an automatic pattern for you. Great suggestion. Um, anything else you would suggest? We've kind of hit on a number of, of the, the useful things to kind of summarize, you know, the, the more you can move your body right, with physical activity, the better. The more you can engage in, in those types of contemplative practices, the lower stress tends to get. The more you can do things to interact with and to help other people, the better you tend to feel and the better they tend to feel. Um, and so if we were to, to kind of put a, a package on it, it would be, yes, you know, try to continue to be as social as you can and as safely as you can uh, to try to do the things that you're, you know that your body and mind Will benefit from and and to start small to build those practices slowly over time uh, and to find ways to reward yourself for the things that you might not get rewarded for a whole lot from from somebody else but uh, to find ways of of rewarding yourself and, and the activity itself tends to be a reward uh, if you can boost that a little bit with you know a chocolate chip cookie or sure. something that's not sure. ever a bad thing yeah and the other thing you said that i really liked was was uh to the extent that we can to build new structure when, when so right. much of the structure, the, the habits and the movements and the boundaries of our lives have fallen down to, to regain a little bit of control over mm -hmm. our days by, uh, by building in a new structure. And I loved what you said about linking it to other things like right after breakfast, I'll do this uh, and, right. and linking it to the, those markers in our days that are still there. So it makes it a little easier to, to uh, build that structure in. Yeah. You know, set up your environment as much as you can to make these activities as easy as you can, as natural. You know, so if I'm going to go for a run in the morning, uh, first thing I put the running clothes and the shoes right next to the bed. So when, when I roll over to get out of bed, they're already there and I don't have to go far and I don't have to debate along the way to, to get them. Oh, I really want to go for that run today. I don't know. I'm kind of tired. I might, well, it's already there. It's already set up. Um, if you're going to engage in contemplative practice, try to set aside a, a particular place right. in, in your home or, or a place of business that you can do that and have markers there, right? So if there's a, a little uh, picture or a statue or something that, that tends to help you 
to, to get into that uh, r- routine and mindset, um, to have your environment set up. A lot of people have a candle or incense or something right. that, that... Or a cross right, or something. Something yeah. that uh, allows all of your senses or many of your senses to mark that space as a as a place where that's being done. Yeah. Yeah. yeah that's great. Yeah. Well, it's been so much fun to, to talk to you. And it's also been fun to every once in a while hear the grandkids in the background. Uh, <laughs> I told them, I said, you guys have to be really quiet while I'm in here. And of course, that's yeah, yeah. What happens when you work from that's home, right. right? That's right. That's a part of it. And I've enjoyed it. I'm sure everybody listening probably will enjoy it too. Well, thanks, Josh. It's been great to talk to you. And I know all the listeners are going to appreciate uh, these activities that you've suggested in the impact that it will have on us. This is such an important topic. Studies are showing that pastors are among the loneliest of professionals. Depression rates and even suicides are higher among pastors than most other professions. I hope you found in this episode some tools to bring a bit more order out of the chaos in your life to care for your body, your mind, and your spirit so that you, in turn, are able to better minister to those in your flock. If you did, will you do me and your friends a favor and share this podcast so that others can benefit as well? I also want to remind you that Pastors for Pastors is now in both audio and video formats. Our audio podcast continues on all major podcast providers, including the new Amazon podcast platform. And we have added a YouTube channel with the same title, Pastors for Pastors. That's the word pastors, the number four, and then the word pastors. I hope you'll check that channel out, subscribe, and leave some positive feedback. Thanks again for joining us. Until next time, I'm Ken Broman, folks, and this is Pastors for Pastors. Thank you.